Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, it's great to see part of our mission trip, my mission team back with us this morning from South Africa. <clears throat> We're so blessed and looking forward to the time to hearing the praise reports from that. And we were so thankful that we were able to send $10,000 to uh, Victory Junction. We support them every month through our regular giving because we believe that makes a difference. In fact, uh, if you'd like to talk to uh, Mike Blackhall, our missions coordinator, he's in the back and he plays the drums. Uh, we have openings for people who'd like to go serve at Victory Junction. And especially those of you that have a medical background, it'll change your life. I know it changed our life. You just drive onto that uh, campus and you can just sense the change and so watch those kids. So uh, maybe you'll be interested in going on a mission trip to there. It's life changing. Well, if you have your Bible with you, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you have, let's lift it up and let's make this confession today. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you today that we sense your presence so awesome. Thank you for all of our team who leads us in worship. They're worshipers themselves. And so, Lord, today we pray as we look into your word that you would help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me to say anything I shouldn't say as we look at fulfilling the purpose that you created us for. And Lord, we pray at the end of this service that you will be glorified, the saints will be edified, and the enemy will be terrified in the name of Jesus. There on your handout today, if you'll take your pen out, there's uh, two dates. One says 1-9, and there's a blank, and there's a dash, and the other says 2-0, and there's a dash. I'd like for you to put and fill in that first blank because you know what that is already. Like if I was filling it out right now, my, my blank would be 1950. That's when I was born, 1950. So whenever you were born, go ahead and put that down. And if you feel bad, just cover it with your hands so nobody can see how old or how young you are. All right. Now, the other side, the other side 20, you can't really fill that out yet. For some of us, that may be a little closer than for some others, but you know, it really doesn't have anything about, really about age of when you were born of how close the other 20 is. For you, it could be this afternoon. It could be. We, we don't, we don't, we're not boast of another day. So you can, when you look at those two dates, whatever they are, uh, one, you're going to die unless Jesus comes back and that's getting closer every day, right? So you're going to fill that out. So you had nothing to do with when you were born. I mean, you didn't wake up on, I didn't wake up on February 10th, 1950 at 2.30 in the morning and say, today's the day that I'm going to come into this world. I had nothing to do with that. All right. And I have really nothing to do outside of trying to take care of myself of what the other date will be. Right. So in that equation, the only part of that equation that we have anything that we can deal with is that little dash in the middle, right? 1950 to whatever that dash is there. So we can deal with that dash. So what are you doing with your dash? 
How are you living your life to make sure that dash counts? So we've been studying about God-given dreams, and we said that God has uniquely gifted us with a purpose in this world. And he's given us a God-given dream. And a God-given dream is a dream that you could never accomplish by yourself. But it's a dream that, number one, it will help other people. It'll benefit other people. Second of all, it'll bring glory to God. And thirdly, it'll bring satisfaction or fulfillment or reward into your life. So my question today is, what on earth are you doing with your God-given dream? What are you doing with it? Well, okay, I know what it is. I wrote it down. So then what are you doing with it? It's like Anita said last week, you know, it's not enough just to have it, but you got to be a doer, right? You, you got to be a doer with that. So I want to introduce you to a young man today that's a doer and he's doing something with his dreams. Would you welcome Thurman as he joins me on stage today? All right, Thurman, I guess your claim to fame would be your Pastor Simone's husband. That is true. That's how people Thank know you. you. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about what you do day to day of uh, making an impact on people's lives. So I am a school counselor at Beverly Shores Elementary, where I work with uh, all types of students. I work with uh, students that speak other languages. I work with students with disabilities, behavior problems. Uh, gifted uh, children as well. Pretty much whatever the boss tells me to do, that's what I do. <laughs> whatever the need comes up, that's yes. where you're. And how long have you been doing that? I've been there for about uh, 11 happy years. 11 yes. happy years. And by the way, I mean, everybody I talk to about this man, all the parents that their students have gone to that school, they'll say, he's made a difference in my child's life. He's made a difference. And so I just thank God for you, Thurman. Glory I thank to God. God. Glory to God. Now, is this something that is your dream that you've always wanted to do, or how did this come about? Uh, I believe I always wanted to, to work with kids. Even when I was younger playing basketball, I always had a passion for working with students, mm -hmm. uh, whether they had uh, disabilities or not. I just, I enjoy kids. Right. So you want to help kids? Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you were raised, where you went to high school, college, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. I grew up in a, a small town called Hobbs, New Mexico, where there's not much to do but play <laughs> basketball and find trouble, and I was good at both. Oh. Um, so growing up, uh, me and my best friend, we just really enjoyed basketball. His name was Brian Russell, so we always uh, played ball together. Um, I was big into, uh, I went to church all the time. I was in the youth group. Uh, I had both sets. My, my grandparents were there in walking distance, and my parents were together. So. Uh, I, grew, I had a pretty stable background uh, growing up. Um, we had high expectations, me and my friend uh, Brian Russell, because we made uh, varsity as middle schoolers. Wow, they brought us that's up, great. Yeah, to the varsity. And um, so we had high expectations. Um, we didn't quite fulfill those expectations. So we both kind of had a chip on our shoulder when it, when it came to uh, graduation time. Uh, he got a, a college scholarship scholarship. Uh, mine didn't come uh, mm. because my grades weren't ready and um, for whatever reason. So we kind of lived reckless and, and wild for that summer um, going into the fall. Right. Uh, so within doing that, um, you know, some, some bad things happened. We were, we were hanging out with, um, in, that little, in that little town there were gangs, you know, not like 
like, like Compton, like my man Doc is from, not gangs like that, but we did have gangs. Mm -hmm. um, and when you hang around real gangsters, bad things happen. Right. And something bad happened uh, to my friend Tracy. He was, uh, we were outside one day. Uh, he was sitting, well, we were standing actually, and um, someone drove by and they were shooting. And you know, when you hear loud shots, you, you run. So I took off running and I thought he was with me. So when I turned around and noticed he wasn't with me, I went back and he was laying on the on the concrete and he wow. was he was lifeless. Wow. So that that right there really um, impacted me and you know I could remember sitting in the back of the police car thinking I've got to do something different with my life. Yeah. So. Uh, so life you realized at that time life is pretty short. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so how did it make you change? What did you do as a result of that? I mean, you know, a lot of people have experiences like that, then they go back to how it was before. But what was yeah. it like for you? Well, that, I did the same thing, you know, that, that did change uh, for a time, you know, that, that, that helped me to get my grades together and take on a scholarship that was offered to me later on at New Mexico Military Institute. Institute. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, after that, I just kind of, I would be, you know, hot and cold, mediocre type of Christian because it was just hard to, to shake everything um, that was still traumatic and impactful yeah. in my life. Detectives would still come and question me because the murder has never been solved. Um, so you, wow. the, the mother still looks at me to this day and uh, she's, she feels like it was my fault. Wow. Yeah. So, so to this tough. day, you still carry a little bit of that, that pressure or that, those feelings of yeah. regret because of that. Yes. Wow. That must be tough. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I moved out here to Orlando, um, and me and Simone, we, we didn't know each other. We met out here, uh, but I still kind of just lived a, a tad bit reckless, and I can remember um, I was in Carver, a Carver Shores church, and I stood up and told the minister that I was a Christian. And he was like, no, you're not. I'm like, How are you going <laughs> to tell me that I'm not a Christian? You don't even know me. <laughs> um, but he read through me. He really did. Wow. And um, I ended up uh, turning my life over for the second time because right. I got baptized when I was younger. Sure, um, sure. But for the second time, I really decided that I, I do have to, to change. So yeah. with Simone's help, um, you know, I was able to turn my life around as well. And so since that time, then you've been pursuing the dream that you have and making a difference in kids' lives. Yes, yes. So um, I ended up finishing college as an adult, um, working and, and going to school. And I remember listening on Z88.3 where they were talking about uh, becoming a counselor. Uh -huh. So I pursued that dream since I already wow. had my, my AA. I just finished off my bachelor's and my master's yeah. at Palm Beach Atlantic. Wow. Yeah. And so then that all come together. It's interesting how God put it piece to piece. And then now you're living in that, and I'm sure you're so thankful you made that choice. Oh, yes. God is so good. He has, he has made such an impact uh, in my life. And, and for anyone else who has a kid that thinks that, you know, you, you want to write them off or they're giving you so much trouble, you know, I, I was that kid giving uh, my family a hard time. Growing. I was a good kid, but still, you know, yeah. I was doing things. Yeah, it's interesting when you, when you hear stories like that and see how that God's hand Mm -hmm. can be just moving along and yeah. bringing you to place. I mean, I, I just think about all the kids, the hundreds, probably thousands by now that yeah. you've impacted there at the school. 
that their life has totally changed. I mean, do you have, you have any of those stories that come to mind of some of the kids that you know you've made a difference in their life? And you know, and it's, it's, it's hard because you can talk to them as third graders or, or, or fifth graders, and you won't even know that the change has been made until they come back years later and tell yeah. you, yeah. thank you. Yeah. What you were saying, that, that really changed my life. You know, you were right. That, wow. that did. Life really does happen this sort of way. And wow. um, it's just, it's, it's awesome to see um, kids go from, turn, turn, go from being right here in the valley to up on the mountain. So wow, that's awesome. It can happen. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I think it's give us the Lord a hand there. God is good. Awesome. And then that brings satisfaction to you. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I, just, I just love to see uh, people's, uh, people's life change. I don't want anyone to be counted out because no matter what anyone has ever done in their lives, it can't be any worse than what I've done or anybody else has done. God is still wow. there for you. Yeah, isn't that good? Don't let anybody be counted out. And I love what you said that, you know, a lot of people in the here testimonies, it's somebody who, you know, a five-point student, you know, got the scholarship, made it, all of that. But, I mean, you had a lot of bumps in the road that it looked yes. like that maybe you weren't going to do that. But yet, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it was like to see your friend murdered yeah. and then to know that that could have easily been you. Yes, yes. Except for the yes. grace of God. God is so good. I mean, and, and it's like that with, with anybody's life. I mean, you can turn down the wrong path at, at any time. And it's yeah. just good to know that I had people who were really praying over me uh, with my, my mother and my grandparents, yeah. and, and it worked out. Wow. So what would you say to people here today that's, uh, uh, that haven't maybe stepped into their God-given dream yet? What, what would you say to them to encourage them? Oh, I would say... Um, it's okay if you don't know exactly where that path is right now in your life, especially if you're uh, in high school or if you're even in years in college, even if you're a couple of years in college, because I did so many jobs, I, I never knew that I was going to end up being a school counselor. Matter of fact, if you ask some of my teachers, they, would, they probably wouldn't believe you. I, I worked as a guidance counselor um, clerk, and I never thought that that's what I would end up being. Yeah, so. yeah. Wow. And you have a great family, right? Tell us about your family. Yes, I have a, a wonderful children. Uh, three adult kids. Uh, two are in the military, uh, Michaela and Nico, which is our, our blended family. And, and Haley as well. She made us grandparents. Awesome. Uh, and together we share Kingston and Princeton. Awesome. Wow. Yes. Well, we're so thankful that you're here at the Father's house, but we're thankful that you're making a difference in our community by fulfilling your God-given dream. So where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? I see myself in 10 years from now just doing a lot of the same things, but, but better. Just trying, to, just trying to perfect my craft. Awesome. <laughs> hey, let's give him a hand, shall we? Thank you, Thurman. Thank you so much. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So my question goes to all of us. What on earth are you doing with your God-given dreams? Today, I want to I sort of focus those, uh, the God-given dreams, toward uh, fulfilling those with an eternal perspective. It's not just now. I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in just the here and now and forget about the eternal perspective that this world is not our home. 
We're just passing through. Second uh, Peter chapter three, would you turn there with me? Second Peter chapter three, beginning at verse eight, I wanna read several verses. You can follow along or you can follow along on the Sky Bible. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Now, so when Peter says, don't forget this one thing, what is he taking for granted? He's taking for granted that we're going to forget this one thing, right? It's like, don't forget this. You know, you're moving out of the house. Don't forget this. Taking for granted that you're going to forget it. So what is he saying? He says, don't forget this one thing, that with the day that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, underlying this next phrase, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It, it's simply saying here, we look at the world around us, and if you watch any of the news, you see everything that's going on. And if you're like me, you sort of get the feeling like, come on, God, don't you see this junk that's going on? Don't you see all the things that's happening, all the confusion that we're living in today, the confusion of identity directed towards our kids growing up, making them feel like, well, what is your identity? You choose your identity instead of understanding God. Come on, God. If we continue like this with the younger generation, where are we going to end up? But he tells us here, the Lord sees that, but his goal is he doesn't want one person lost. He doesn't want one person to perish. So if you're here today and you don't know him as your savior, you're part of the reason that he hasn't cut an end to all of this. He doesn't want to spend eternity without you. So it's not, it's not that he couldn't, but he wants all to come to repentance. Repentance is a change of mind and then a change of action. It's not just asking God to forgive you of your sins and feel sorry, but it's a changing of your mind, and then it's a change of your action. So it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You, you don't know when he's gonna come. In which the heavens will pass away in a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works, and it will be burned up. Therefore, since we all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in a holy conduct and godliness? So he simply says here, look, you could die at any moment, life is short, or Jesus could come back and these elements would be burned out. So how should we live in light of this? Here's what he's saying. In light of, in light of eternity, in light of how soon and how short it is in life, how should we conduct our life? How should I live out my God-given destiny? And that's what this whole passage is about. He said, therefore, beloved, looking forward to verse 14, be diligently, be diligent to be found in peace. Be diligent and found in peace. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God today? And are you at peace with your God-given dream? Are you at peace with your dash? in life? Or are you always saying, man, I wish my life was different. I wish things were different. Are you at peace? Are you without spot and blameless? That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it just means that you've put yourself into Jesus. Verse 18, 
but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. What Peter is simply saying to us here is that, listen, don't get caught up in life and forget about eternity. Eternity is going to last forever. And so what we have here is five seconds, really, of life compared to eternity, five seconds or less. Listen to these scriptures, Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12. These days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason, strength your 80 years. He said, you know, most people live into 70, and if you're strong, you live to 80, and some of us are living beyond that, right? Verse 11 says, who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Look at verse 12 and read it out loud with me, would you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's what David is saying. He's saying in light of, as we look in the, in the light of what Second Peter says, don't live as though you have all eternity. Don't live as though, well, tomorrow I'm gonna get serious about fulfilling my destiny. Tomorrow I'm gonna do that. No, not, it could not be tomorrow. You could be like Thurman was saying, I was standing beside my friend, he got shot. His chance, his, his eternity soon met him where he was. So help us to count our days. Let us don't be so caught up in, I've got to get more things, I've got to do more things, and we miss out on being sure that our dash is ready to be given to the Lord. Psalm 39 and four, Lord, help me to know how fleeting my time on earth is. Help me to know how limited is my life. And I'm only here for a moment more. And then in James chapter four, verse 14, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Here's what he's saying. Your life is like a mist. You spray that mist it's here for a while, now it's gone. Your life is like a mist. You see it, then you don't see it. I mean, think about it. Your life is like a mist. We think, oh, I've got all time. You know, I get a little bit older. I'm gonna get this degree. I'm gonna get this house. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. But the Bible says, no, you don't know. Your life is like that. Your life is like a match that you burn and suddenly it burns out. The enemy is working overtime to tell us you have all the time in the world to make peace with God. You have all the time in the world to fulfill your destiny and your God-given dreams. In fact, he tells us a parable in Luke chapter 12. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 12? In Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 16, he tells us a parable. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. So just take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You got the rest of your life. But God said, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be 
that you've provided. He said, you fool. Tonight you're going to die. Now, all of these things that you've laid up and said, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my ease. I'm going to enjoy all of these things. He said, no, you're not going to enjoy these. Somebody else is going to enjoy everything that you have worked for. And then he goes on to say, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He said, look, a rich man was proud of himself, of what he had accomplished. Look what I've accomplished. I've got this degree. I've got this job. I've got this condo. I've got this. I do this and I do all of these things. It's just so wonderful of where I am. And I've just got so much, so much stuff. You say, well, I'm not sure this parable applies to us today. Have you seen the number of storage units that's being built in our city, in our community? three and four story storage units. Why? Because we got to find a place to keep all of our storage and another storage room to keep all of our storage that we've got there, right? I mean, we look at that. And so we're living, living in a world today in which people don't have a humble heart that I look what God has given me and he's given me breath to live one more day, but it's a prideful thing that, well, I've got it all together. I've made myself and I'm doing this myself. And he says, thou fool, this day, this day, we came into this world with a heartbeat and we're on our way to a heart beep, which that'll be the end of our life. We're moving towards that. So we have to be ready and we have to make our dash count. The parable is talking about a guy that's very proudful and there's no humility what he's doing. So I believe that we need to focus our dash on the reason that we exist. And it's to give God glory. Nothing happens without him. C.T. Studd, who was a British missionary to China, penned a very famous poem. It's called Only One Life. Listen to this. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Listen to this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. There are two things that are gonna last for eternity. God's word and the soul of man. There are two things that will last for eternity. God's word and the soul of man. And so when we look at that, we have to say, what am I doing in such a word that I'm in the word and I'm making a difference in the souls of men? You see, right now, you're speaking into your dash. You're saying, I'm going to live a life of significance. I'm going to live a life that makes a difference. But one day, your dash is going to speak of you. One day at that service or that ceremony, whatever it is, how you dashed, how you lived your life, then is going to talk about you. Well, he lived his life, he had lots of money, he had a good education, he did this, he did that, and that's your dash. Or is your dash as though somebody says, well, I thank you, God, that you've given me grace, and so I'm just gonna give my life to you and whatever you wanna do with my life. Your dash will speak of you. So right now, if you were to stand before the Lord, what would that dash say? What on earth am I doing now to fulfill my purpose and my destiny? 
I don't think it's necessarily that we need a lot of more preachers right now. We need people in every sphere of life who wake up every morning in humility and in all the breath that God gives them. And they'll say, you know what? I'm a surgeon in my city. And today I'm gonna live and fulfill the purpose and the destiny that I have. But as a surgeon, I'm not thinking about the surgeries I have today. I'm thinking of the Word of God that's in my life and how I'm able to make a difference in somebody's life. Maybe you're a top salesperson in our community and you know the market, you know how to deal with that. And you know that you're one of the best. And you wake up every day, either with a sense of pride that I've got it all together or a sense of brevity that life is short a sense of humility that I have a purpose to live for God. Because you see, just like that, your life can be gone. And in the dash, what will it say of you? Or maybe you're one of the top professionals in your industry. People write about you. They talk about you. They know about you. You're invited places to speak. And for 45 minutes, you give a talk about what you do. And they pay you well for that. But instead of having a prideful heart of saying, look what I've done, I'll build my barns and build greater. You've got a heart of humility that simply says, it's all because of God's grace and his mercy is mercy. So what are you doing? What are you doing with the dash? What are you doing with the five seconds of life compared to the five trillion million billion years that we have in eternity? When your dash ends, you'll stand before God. God will ask you two questions. What did you do with my son Jesus that died for your sins? So my question to you today is, are you at peace with that decision that you've invited Christ to become your savior and you repented? And then Jesus will say, what did you do with the purpose that I put in your life? You see, when I stand there, that's what I'm offering him. I'm offering him the dash of my life. Here's what I did with the God-given dream that you gave me. I didn't hide it. I didn't squash it. I didn't start it and forget it. I, I didn't retire and then let it fall by the wayside. But this is what I did with the dash. I don't know if there's jealousy in heaven or envy, but I wonder if as we're standing before Jesus, And we've brought a gift, the gift of our dash. Would we be pleased with that gift? It's like you're invited to someone's party and they're very influential and they've been very influential in your life. And you wanna make sure you bring just the right gift. But maybe the week was hurried by and You thought your wife got the gift and she thought you got the gift and now it's on their way to the party and you don't have the gift that you think the person deserves. So you buy something and you get there and then you start looking at the table of all the other gifts and you look at what you laid down and how many times would would we wanna walk over to that table, pick up the gift, put it behind our back and say to our wife, Put this in your purse. This gift doesn't match up. One of these days, 
you're going to offer the dash of your life to Jesus. So are you at peace with what you're doing? Are you at peace with where you are on that God-given dream? Or you've been fo so focused on, on, on things. And, and God wants us to have things. He wants to enjoy us to enjoy that. But he also wants to, us for, to do that in humility, to know that it's only by his grace that he gives me breath today that I can fulfill this. And I know we, we often say, Oh man, when I, when I get to heaven, I want to meet, I want to meet David or I, I, I want to meet, I want to meet Peter. I, I, I just say, I, I want to, I want to, I want to meet Peter. And I want to say to him, thank you, Peter, for writing this third chapter of reminding me of how short life is of reminding me about the dash and that I should be doing everything I have with an eternal perspective. So, Peter, how, how, how'd it go for you there at the end? And Peter would say, well, at the end of my dash, I was crucified. But I asked them not to crucify me upright like my Lord and Savior because I was unworthy. I asked them to crucify me upside down. That's how I ended my dash. And then he looks at you and says, how about you? How about you? What'd you do with your dash or maybe people say oh, I, I want to meet Paul but maybe I don't want to meet Paul when I read about his dash shipwrecked beaten horrible and you walk up to Paul and, and, and he's there and Paul said well I, I wrote about mine I, I wrote about my dash what about your dash what miracles have you experienced what, what have you done well I just sort of sat beside my nice pool, had a spa with it, whirlpool, everything. And I would read, Paul, about your life, your dash. And I wonder if Paul would look at you and say, I was hoping that you wouldn't just read my dash, but it would motivate you to live a life of significance that you could present to Jesus. How is it? How is your dash? This is not today to manipulate you into guilt and say, well, I should, but it's still a wake-up call. Today, this teaching is a, is a gift to you. It's a gift to you to say, you can't continue to squander your life. So you're retired. So what? What does that mean? So you're a teenager. So what does that mean? You have been given a God-given dream, a purpose for existing. And are you going to spend your whole life on that dash toward yourself? Or are you going to surrender that to the Lord and one of these days in peace? Say, here's my dash. My dash. The only way we get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. But how we live in eternity is how we've lived the dash in this life. So verse 14 says, are you at peace with God? Let's bow our heads. I believe today that Jesus is not twisting our arms, but I believe in his true love, 
We know that he laid down his life for us to change us, to bring a humility in our life, to focus on him. So let me pray for you today, those of you that are Christ followers. Lord, I pray for those today that are Christ followers. Lord, that you've put a God-given dream into their heart. Lord, would you wake us up today that we don't have the assurance of tomorrow or next week, but we only have today to speak into our dream, to speak into our dash. And one day we will surrender that dash to you, the life that we've lived. As you continue to pray, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today, could I remind you that Scripture said that he's not willing to any, anyone to perish, but to all to come to repentance. So if you've never repented and invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, he's holding out for you. And it's not an accident that you're here today. You may say, well, I'm not even sure I believe in God if I believe in that. But what if? What if there is? And you waste your life. And you lose your life. Jesus loved you so much that he left heaven, came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for your sins and mine. On the third day he rose so that as many called upon him could be saved. So as everyone is praying today, if you're here and you say, you know what? I do need to repent today and invite Jesus into my heart and into my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, yeah, that's me. I need to invite Jesus into my heart today. I need to repent. Thank you, thank you, thank you in the back. Others, thank you, thank you in the front. Others today say, thank, yes, thank you. That's me. I need to repent. Those of you that are watching online, just raise your hand right where you are. That's me. I, I need to repent. Repent. Change directions. Let me lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. Pray this prayer with me, everyone together. Father God, thank you today for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord. And I repent. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.